Are you listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other platform where you can leave a rate or review? Do you like what we're doing? If the answer to all of that is yes, please consider quickly giving us a five-star rate. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a nice review, we greatly appreciate that as well. Okay, let's do this. Hello, welcome to the Ghost of Harrenhal. My name's Simon. And I'm McKelly. Thank you for joining us for episode 65 of our chapter-by-chapter book review of the Song of Ice and Fire series by George Martin. Today we'll be discussing chapter 64 of A Game of Thrones. That's Danny 8. Wow, 64. We've only got eight chapters left in this book. Crazy. I tell you what, seemed like we'd never get to this day. It really <laughs> did, yeah. I mean... <laughs> I guess, I guess when you make a base camp at the bottom of a very big mountain, you right. think you're never going to get there, but eventually you will. That's right. Anyway, so we're, we're going to chat about the chapter, and we're going to try not to spoil any future plot points for you. And hopefully, while we do all that, we're going to provide you some entertainment along the way. We will summarize what's happened, we'll discuss our thoughts on it, provide you some useful background, compare it to the television show, indulge in a little pedantry, and cover some reader reader mail. Be sure to check out the show notes. They'll provide you with some additional information about the characters and other things of note in this chapter. How are you, McKelly? I am pretty good. I'm doing all right. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. All right. Been a stressful week. It's been uh, the week of the election here. Yeah, you and I have not talked all week. That's pretty unusual. But we it's not yeah. like an intentional thing. We've just been both so busy. We have not talked all yeah. week. So I have not had a chance to personally thank you for uh, being Molly's accent coach. That uh, <laughs> it really helped. I, I couldn't yeah. hear. We were having a um, an issue with the uh, speakers. So Molly had to use headphones. Uh, so backstory, as you might remember, last episode, I was asking Simon about a character that has a slight English accent because they were raised in America, but one parent uh, was English, and um, that Molly had been submitted to a, a role with with such a character, and she got an audition for the character, and uh, Simon spent, what, 45 minutes or so helping her uh, fine-tune a subtle English accent? I, I hope she's adopting it in all facets of her life. I hope she's not just holding it back for this. I, I want her speaking like this. Right. She she spent a lot of time speaking like that in preparation for the audition. So, but it was, uh, yeah. She like beforehand, she was either Mary Poppins or Molly Ray. And yeah. after spending time with you, she was. It was much more. I thought it was really well done, subtle. Oh. English yeah, accent, so. I, I mean, obviously, I've never done this before, but of course, I do have a little bit of experience, right? Yeah, but it was interesting how you could find things as she, you know, like, like it was the words like doesn't and couldn't. She, being American, she sort of trailed off on the end of yeah, like, couldn't, yeah, doesn't, and just adding that T sound that that is a natural thing for British people to do, and. uh yeah, but it's it's all about the T's, in fact, because like the better, you know, she, when she was going through it, she said better, right? And I was yeah. like, wait, wait, say that one like better, and then you'll sound better. <laughs> <laughs> emphasize the T's. She mentioned you saying emphasizing the T's. So yeah. So do, when when will she hear? Uh, I don't know if she'll hear. You know how those things are. We'll contact no, you. Don't, don't contact us. <laughs> so yeah. I, I imagine. She'll either hear for callbacks or she'll hear if she 
got the part. But if she was eliminated, I doubt we'll ever hear from them yeah. again. But it so was. Do you know how many were in the frame? No. Oh, and it is the lead character. It's the lead character. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's the first wow, time she's ever imagine. gotten an audition for a lead. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I hope. I hope if they cast her, they give her an actual voice coach. <laughs> <laughs> that that might be prudent. Although maybe they could retain you. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, God, that would that would be so exciting. Yes, yeah, it really would. She just asked me last night if um I think she's still in the running, and I was like. I, I, I don't know. The one thing I will say is that in doing, I mean, in doing the coaching, she was reading lines from the script. Or yeah. In fact, she wasn't reading them because she was off book because she's that good. Right. She's that much of a professional. <laughs> I thought her acting was terrific. Yeah. I thought her accent needed the work that we were putting into it. Right. But I thought her acting was really good. Good. Yeah. I mean, I, I am not a casting director. I have very little experience in the theater, but... You would have hired her. <laughs> I would have hired her on the spot. She was terrific. Yeah, I, it's good to hear because, you know, I, I sometimes feel a little biased as her dad. In the... Yeah, she was she was entirely convincing. But, I mean, I don't know what they're looking for. Yeah, she takes a lot. Of, you know, she's been taking lessons for a long time. And with each, I see an improvement personally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, well, no, we'll see. Man. I, I can't wait to get a mention at the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I guess uh, we, we should get down to business here. And we should, yes. It's not, I, I think we've become sort of like, we've become convinced that we're interesting. You know, the more <laughs> we've done this, we think people wobbly want to hear us chat to each other. Let's just do that. I had but to cut not, off they're... last week's uh, halfway through our conversation and move it to the back end again because we were oh, rambling no. on and on so <laughs> yeah. all right let's get down to business quick recap of what danny was up to last time we saw her she was taking in the carnage of a lazarine village after the dothraki battle she saved several women from rape by men of cal drogo's Kalasar, a move that did not sit well with the rest of the Kalasar. apart from drogo himself he was beaming over the fieriness his in utero son was giving danny Danny then allowed a healer woman she'd saved from rape to tend to Drogo's wounds, again against the wishes of his blood riders. The healer, Miri Mazdur, patched him up with a poultice and received a not-too-subtle warning from Quotho. The car dies, you die. All right, why don't we give them the summary of this chapter, then? Okay. Danny, Cal Drogo, and the Kalsar ride through a dry and barren land. Drogo has been more and more despondent since removing that poultice that Miri Mazdur made him in the Lazarine village to the point of silence today. He removed it because it burned and had the herb women make him a soothing one instead. He's also been using milk of the poppy to dull the pain, which Mary Mazdor specifically told him not to do. As Danny is thinking all this, Drogo falls from his horse, and that might not sound like a big deal to us, but to the Dothraki, that's huge. A call who can't ride, can't lead. I, actually, falling from a horse sounds like kind of a big deal to me. It does. I was thinking that as I said it. <laughs> <laughs> so Danny and Drogo's blood riders rush to Drogo. Danny commands that they camp where they are. It's not a great place to set up camp, but she knows he can't ride any further. Danny tells the blood riders to use her pregnancy as the excuse. However, as Danny and the Blood Riders watch him fall, so too did too many others to keep this a secret. Danny commands that Quotho and Hago fetch Mirimazdor, which they begrudgingly agree to do. 
When Drogo's tent is sent up, Danny has him taken into it for shade and privacy. He's burning up with fever. Her new handmaid, Eroa, voices what they're all thinking, that Drogo is dying, and this is met with denial and a slap across the face from Danny. Soon after, Jorah Mormont arrives, confirming the rumor that Drogo's fall is spreading quickly through the camp. He too thinks it's the end for Drogo. He says there's no time for grief. It's time to run, far and fast. This confuses Danny. Why would she run? She's carrying the prophesied stallion who mounts the world. Jorah explains that this Kalasar isn't going to follow a baby. The minute Drogo is gone, it will devour itself and almost certainly kill Rago in the process. And the Blood Riders won't help protect her or her child. They have to follow Drogo into the Nightlands. They will take Danny to Vyastarthrak to join the Dush Kaleen and then off themselves. The prospect of spending the rest of her life with the old crones doesn't sit well with Danny, but rather than follow Jorah's fleeing plan, she doubles down on the Save Drogo plan. Quotho and Hago bring Miri Mazdor to the tent as Danny commanded. When they see the state of the cow, they begin to beat Miri Mazdor and threaten worse. Danny stops it, but not without threats from Quotho on her well-being as well. Eventually, Miri adds a third voice that it's too late for the call. She blames his demise on him removing her poultice and using milk of the poppy to dull the pain. She suggests easing Drogo's slide into death, but when Danny pleads with her, she says dark blood magic is the only thing powerful enough to save him. But it, the cost is great. A life for a life. Danny says, do it. After a horse sacrifice, Drogo's horse, in fact, Miri kicks everyone out of the tent, as bad things will be going on and no living person can see them. Outside, chaos ensues. Jorah returns in his armour and wants to know what Danny has done. The three blood riders also return to the tent. Quotho storms to the tent to, st to stop the show inside, but Danny commands her cast to stop him. Fighting breaks out, leaving some of her cast dead. Jorah badly injured and all three blood riders dead. Danny has a terrible stomach cramp and feels wetness on her legs. Jorah, not knowing the warning Miri gave Danny about staying out, carries her into the tent because Miri Mazdor is supposed to be her midwife. Yeah. Stressful stuff. So I think the, the one take home from all this is you should follow your doctor's instructions to the letter. Don't be... You know. <laughs> because cause it's interesting, actually, uh, just, just to sort of like give us sort of like a big perspective on the whole thing. In the previous chapter, I was very, very nervous that Miri Mazdor was intentionally poisoning Khal Drogo to yep. his death. Right. In this chapter, I am convinced that she did not do it, that she actually gave him good medicine, and it was his own actions that have cost him his life, or potentially cost him his life. Yeah, I could definitely see that aspect. It's just curious to me, like, I, I'm no... Uh... I'm no herbal medicine expert or medicine expert of any kind. <laughs> I'm, I'm no fictional herbal herbal medicine. Right. Man, but. Um, but I, I'm not sure what taking that one off and putting a cooler, wetter poultice on and drinking milk of the poppy, why it would have created such a, a big mess. Well, you know? I, th I think her point was that it was in the process of working – and his taking it off cause, just because it was uncomfortable. Allow, allow yeah, things to know. fester, I guess. Yeah. I but things aren't looking good for him regardless. No. Seems like if they have to resort to the kind of uh, blood magic thing that they, they resorted to at the end of this chapter, it's not a great prognosis for a full recovery. 
Well, I mean, Miriam Asdor must believe that she can do it. I mean, she, she, you know, unless she was actually just digging a tunnel under the tent to get out of there. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> you know, making a rash promise of something that will never work. Uh, bring his horse in here, I'll slit its throat, and uh, yeah, just stay out of here for four hours. You know? I need a shovel, some scissors, <laughs> pickaxe. <laughs> some stout timbers. <laughs> So we don't know how much time has passed since they left the Lazarine village, but we do know that he ripped Miri Mazdor's poultice off six days ago. And according to Danny, he did so because it burned and itched. And apparently it was a rapid decline after removing the poultice. So, Yeah, but but I mean, he he literally did what he was not supposed to do as well, which was the drinking the wine and the milk of the puppy. He was supposed to stay off those during this time. He basically uh, broke every rule that Miri Mazdor laid out for him. He he drank the milk of the poppy, which it was actually poppy wine, but uh, and took off the poultice. You know, the thing that kind of surprised me, I'm not saying his penetry, just kind of surprised me, was that Drogo seemed to be so open about his suffering with the pain of the uh, the original poultice and drinking the milk of the poppy to, to dull the pain because, you know, Part of his aura is his toughness and imperviousness to pain. So, uh, must have really burned. But, I don't know, I think think there's a sort of... I think I've noticed this in people who I've known, tough people that I've known. There is sort of like a a dichotomy of like also being a bit like a princess with the pea over (laughs) certain things, you know. (laughs) Tough in this aspect of life, a bit of a wuss over here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Stacy's about the toughest person I know when it comes to pain tolerance. And yeah, I could I could see what you're you're saying. Yeah. So Danny notices flies crawling on Cal Drogos. He's not reacting to them. That that doesn't look good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> if you're not yeah. the one was like crawling up his mustache. Like if there's uh, a, one that close to your nose and you don't care enough uh, to wipe it away, <laughs> yeah. you're in bad shape. And at that point, he falls off the horse. Uh, yeah, I mean, she's <laughs> not the only nervous. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's not the only one nervous about uh, this this turn of events here. The Blood Riders have some skin in the game as well. <laughs> oh yeah, pretty much all of their skin. <laughs> yes, exactly. But uh, like I said in the summary, falling off his horse is is a pretty big deal. Aside from the the hard landing that ensues, especially as his stallion is so large that I'm sure it was quite the fall because yeah, you know what? I, I, I've always felt this is a little bit pedantry though, because, because they get off their horses all, it's not like they live in there on their horses. <laughs> they get true. off the horses all the time. And I mean, like <laughs> if you were in battle and you were knocked off your horse and then you carried, continued to battle, you wouldn't lose any face. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think it's the can't ride part, the cow that can't ride can't lead like if if he just falls off because he's unable to continue riding is the issue that they they have there but you remember that pregnant women ride up until the just before the time of birth danny mentioned that in one of the earlier danny chapters so the fall likely is costing him respect within his calisar but not enough respect that the fear of upsetting him isn't effective because that's what danny uses with yeah. Quotho to to command him to go get Miri Mazdor, he refuses at first, and she says, "Oh yeah, you want the cow to to hear about this when he recovers?" And she, he's like, "No, no, no." Right. 
Because this is still the point in the chapter where he's just sick. They right. They they haven't revealed the wound to know how bad it is at this point. So yes, yeah. So Danny has a new handmaid, Iroe. She's the first girl that she saved from rape in the last chapter. I have to say, as we were going over the summary, it occurred to me that I wonder if Iroe was written into the story simply for the slap in the face. So just so that Danny didn't have to slap one of her friends in the face. <laughs> right. I thought that was a bit harsh, too, because she wasn't the only one that mentioned it. She said she looked at Drogo and said he's dying. And she whacks him in the, in the face and says the cow can't die. But then Jorah comes in and says, uh, he's dying. And she doesn't whack him in the face. Miri Mazdor comes in and says, uh, he's dying. And she doesn't whack her in the face. <laughs> Poor Eroi. <laughs> yeah, seriously. A r- rough way to get written into the book. But Jorah does arrive to the tent, and he mentions uh, to Danny straight away, hey, there's uh, there's rumors flying all over the place that the call has uh, fallen off his horse. So this secret is not very well kept, as we thought it might not be well kept. Yeah. So he wants them to flee. He wants them to get out of there straight away. And his reasoning is good. I mean, the... Obviously, the the Thraki don't favor blood succession as much as they do strength, and so right. an unborn child can't lead. You know. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, but I wonder if they tried to run, could they actually get away? You'd have to think the Blood Riders would surely be hunting them down. One, it's their job to take her to Vase Dothrak to join the Dosh Kaleen, and two, it's a really good excuse to not. Uh, go and join the call just yet you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna chase you until I'm my dying day <laughs> to, to my last breath i'm gonna chase you <laughs> i think the other thing is i mean remember that their their deal is they they take revenge on the person to blame and they take the khaleesi to buy stuff right that's right so yeah. ideally for them Miri Mazdur runs one way and Danny runs the other way. <laughs> they accidentally leave some really fast horses just uh, <laughs> sitting right outside the tent. This is a plane ticket. <laughs> I can't see where it's going to, yeah. but it's far away. But Jorah also asks them if, uh, well, she do- he, he doesn't ask them. Jorah asks Danny if she thinks her cause will, will come with them. And Danny says that Drogo commanded them to protect her, but without the call, she's uncertain. Of course, we learn later in the chapter that they seem to be very much pro Danny as they they fight the Blood Riders to do as she's commanding. Yeah, I, I think I think the thing is that they they would go with her be, while Drogo's still alive, which is when Jorah wants to run. Jorah wants to run right now, right? And the cast would go with her because they would be like, well. Following the letter of what we were told, we go yeah. with her and protect her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. You know, they've obviously shown plenty of loyalty, but uh, like you remember last chapter, it, they uh, stopped the raping of the Lazarine women, even though they had no idea why what was wrong with it. Um, but is that loyalty to Caldrogo to to do whatever Danny says, or is it to Danny herself? That's what we didn't know. Yeah, but I guess I guess if they get away before he dies, then there's always the plausible deniability that he's still alive somewhere. And... 
Right. They they may eventually start to question, well, shouldn't we go back then? <laughs> Good point. D- Danny's confused by the idea of fleeing. She's, you know, she feels that the Kalasar, you, you know, she she just doesn't see the, I mean, she's not thinking too straight, but she right. doesn't see yeah. why they need to flee. And Jorah lays it all out, you know, that the Kalasar's strength is what Drogo holds together. You know, there's Drogo. Yeah. Is the glue in the Kalasar. Yeah. And the the prophecy of the baby will mean nothing as soon as he's gone. If anything, it would be put her in more precarious situation because he is the prophesied stallion who mounts the world. And whoever takes over this Kalasar after Drogo is gone won't want to have to deal with that uh, competition when Rago would grow up and maybe. Challenge for the Kalasar again. Yeah. But Danny remembers, uh, she thinks back. So Jorah says, they'll probably feed Rago to the dogs. And Danny thinks back. Apparently, Viserys had told her about what happened to her brother Rhaegar's children uh, during the uh, Robert's Rebellion when Gregor Clegane killed both of the, the little kids. And she thinks of them as. The usurper's dogs, and and I'm I'm guessing that's because Gregor Clegane, uh, their sigil is a is a dog, so you know maybe yeah. it was a little bit too literal that yeah. Viserys referred to them as referred to him as dog because of their sigil. The the, the other thing that um, struck me here is that is Drogo's authority now permanently diminished by falling from his horse? I mean, yes, exactly. I. <laughs> Again, I, uh, pedantry-wise, I think it shouldn't be. I think this is silly to make this a, a, a rule. Because, okay, let's say he gets better. The next day, he's back to full strength again. And he's like, you know, cracks his knuckles, jumps back on his horse. Right. Someone's going to challenge him just because yesterday he fell off his horse? <laughs> I think it may be, maybe it's a cumulative thing. If he was strong enough to be able to put up a fight, they might be like, whoa, back down. But if right. they see that he is, like, <laughs> weak... And no longer the call that he was over time, they might uh, yeah. challenge for rule yeah. over the Kalasar. I hear you. So Danny, not entirely surprised, he does not want to go and live with the terrible old women, as she refers to them in Viastothrak. Yeah. Uh, although, again, they gave her good news. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She owes them something. She Al- mentions Although, apparently, thing. what she owes them, actually, is a death sentence for her son. If they'd said, ah, he's going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> Middle management at best. <laughs> don't, don't get your hopes up too high on this one. You have time. You're young. You can have more kids. <laughs> the new Carl would be like, fine. Good. Right. We need yeah. a bean counter. <laughs> yeah. She's mentioned in previous chapters how she has mixed feelings about the Dosh Kaleen on one hand. She mentioned that it was nice to know she had an honored place to go when she got old. That was in Danny Six when she was kind of trying to make peace with staying in Essos and just doing the Kalasar thing and not going to Westeros. And uh, she thought, you know, it's it's not too bad here. If I was anyone but the blood of the dragon, I could deal with this. But then on the other hand, in the pre one before that, Danny Five. She said it was unsettling that she had no choice but to go um, live out her days with the Dosh Kaleen. So we'll be right back. Hello, friends. 
Are you ready to make some unforgettable memories? Well, if so, consider the Marriott Bonvoy program. Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghosts of Heron Hall affiliate page to check it all out and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes. You had a good thought about the Dush Colleen, which I hadn't had, so... Oh, about how she she calls them old and ancient. Um, but with all the Dothraki infighting, there must be plenty of other uh, former Khaleesi's in her uh, boat at around her I, age. Yes, I hadn't <laughs> thought of that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it must be full of, I mean, it must be... Right, yeah, like I mean... A bunch uh, of young ladies, in fact. You would think that Ogo, yeah, you'd think Ogo, who Khal uh, Drogo just killed last chapter... Probably had a Khaleesi, and he's she was probably youngish. But but actually, there's a question: What happened to Ogo's wife? Is she actually just a slave now? Yeah, because they also killed all killed of his, his blood, blood riders, who are so supposed to be the there. one. Maybe I, maybe he I respects wonder, the rules enough to have sent to some of his die. own people to escort her to. Oh, is she like? I'll take my chances as a slave, frankly. <laughs> right. <laughs> At least I get to see stuff. the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I also thought maybe the old and ancient is relative because she's 13. So, you know, 25-year-old yeah. <laughs> might be old and ancient to her. <laughs> and under that blazing sun every day, I mean, they might look leathery and wrinkled <laughs> even at 25. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Minimazdor is finally uh, dragged to the tent. Uh, she's been made to march all along behind the Kalasar. Apparently she's on foot, limping, bloody feet. She looks hollow-eyed and haggard. Yeah, you know, you'd think they'd keep her handy and in a bit more of an honored place since she was trusted enough to fix Drogo up and also expected to help Danny birth Rago. And then they just like, you know, she puts the poultice on and they toss her to the back of the Kalasar. You'd think... You know, Aroa has a spot in Danny's entourage. Do you think that uh, Mary Mazdor would be in that same entourage? That's a good point. It's a very good point, and and especially if if you take if you take my interpretation that Mary Mazdor really was trying to help here, like the day he starts prying off, you know, putting on a new poultice and drinking the milk of the pot, she'd be like, "No, seriously, stop, stop!" <laughs> right, <laughs> but she's. A hundred yards behind, completely unaware that this is going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she, uh, you know, and she's got a lot of uh, a lot of things at stake here. Basically, her whole life is tied to his life. So, you know, <laughs> Kotho had made that pretty clear. If something yes. happens to the call, you're in trouble. So but, she, but pretty much everybody in that conversation's life is tied to Drogo's life. Because Kotho yeah. himself... Danny, pretty much. Yeah. And Miri, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd think she would be like, listen, I'm the only one that can deal with this poultice. I've got to stay with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I wonder if they go at a pace. I mean, obviously, there's not a lot of value in killing the slaves. They must right. go at a pace that the slaves can keep up. You know. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And I mean, the, the Lazarine were slightly nomadic well no that's not quite true it's, it's it, i always think of them as nomadic but it didn't actually say that they were 
but they must have shoes is what i'm thinking <laughs> right <laughs> some version of shoes yes but it was kind of hard to tell here if mary Mazdor was being sincere or not because she says after danny stops hago and kotho from beating and and doing worse to miri she says to danny you saved me once more and then uh when she when miri says you know, Drogo's pretty much, there's nothing I can do for him. And she says, please do something. And, and Mary says, you don't ask a slave, you tell him, which is verbatim what Drogo said last chapter right, about right. Uh, Danny asking Mary to please help Drogo. So yeah. I'm wondering if she is like flaunting in her face that she is up to no good here. And Danny just doesn't realize it or, you know, because she said, you saved me once more. What is she really saving her from? She's still being dragged along at the back of the Kalisar. You know, she looks terrible. It's not like she's been completely saved. She just is better off than she would have been had she been killed in right. the village. <laughs> Possibly. Yes. Although, although actually a little bit more under the spotlight. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, Quotho threatens that when Drogo dies, Danny is nothing, which is true. But then again, he does have a responsibility to take her to Vyastathrak. You can't completely ignore that. And actually, I do wonder about that. I wonder if if that is the long term for Danny that she goes to, she is taken to Vyastathrak and has the baby there. I wonder if that might be how it works out because she's not obviously she goes into labor at the end of this chapter, but she wasn't due yet. If right. Drogo dies tonight, they could you know behead Miri Mazdur and off they go to advise Dothraite the next day. Yeah, yeah. I think it goes back to, though, when Rago grows to adulthood, him challenging Right, but if he them. grows up in Vyas Dothraite with the, with the Dosh Kalim. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. They, she couldn't be the only... Only pregnant Right. <laughs> yeah. And the only one with children. Like, the, I guess if the children are... Or grown enough, they would stay with the Kalasar. Stay with the Kalasar, yeah. But small children, maybe they're killed. I don't know. I mean, well, yes. I mean, that was that Jorah was one of the seems things. to think they are. Yeah. So, well, I mean, but but he was specific that this was because of the prophecy that he would be killed. You know. Yeah. I mean, if if without the prophecy, he would just be Drogo's son. Yeah, sure. A claim to the Kalasar, but only by feat of strength. Yeah. There's no yeah, more I'm, reason to kill that baby than to kill every baby. You know? Right. We we did a, a background on being a Kalaka, which is like the heir yeah. to a cow, and that they aren't necessarily guaranteed to lead. It has to do with whether they are strong enough to be able to do that. So, But it certainly didn't sound like Quotho had plans on taking Danny back to Vaisdoth Rockwin. He said she is nothing and that, oh, yeah. you know. But I, gonna... I think part of that is him blaming her for yes, right. Miri Mazdur's interference, which is leading to Drogo's death. And that then then he would have conflicting rules as a blood rider. Yes. <laughs> he would need to kill Danny and take a device. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you know, of course, it's really all that's separating him from death. So maybe he'd have a change of heart and be like, you know, we're going to take the long way back to Vase Dothrock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fire Westeros. <laughs> yes, right. Fire the Iron Throne. <laughs> Let's go finish Drogo's plans first. 
Is this going to be a tough sell when he gets to the Nightlands and mentions to Drogo, or Drogo, you know, already knows that uh, Kotho has killed his moon and stars uh, versus taking her to the Dashkalin like he's supposed to. Yeah. But, you know, I feel for Danny here. She She's really, she's losing it all. It's all falling apart. She, she kind of had everything you know she finally had a safe respected place in this Kalisar. she had love she and caldrogo seemed to be in love she had hope that they were you know going to go get the iron throne back and she was finally going home to westeros where she'd never been before and it's all falling apart due to what looked like painful yes but also fairly superficial wounds so yeah, that but you gotta look after them you know you just oh gotta yeah look after right them. yeah yeah the way of the world but it's so, a tough um, loss she's losing it all yeah, right here yeah for sure for sure but there's a way out miri says that the blood magic can save drogo but it has a terrible price you've got to pay for life with death yes and danny uh, she's stressed about the thought when when miri says that she's like oh man i've always said i would give my life for him but uh and then uh danny uh miri's like well it's not your life and she's like Phew. okay do it <laughs> whoever else but, it is fine do it but one thing that surprises me there is that is is the slight selfishness of danny there because she doesn't mention rago right because yeah. she has life within her i would have thought not us but she really is a little bit selfish she's like not me right yeah as long as it's not me quit your blabbing and get it done come on <laughs> chop chop yeah you're right that is uh maybe maybe she was still thinking of rago as part of her because yeah, yeah, he's inside yeah. of her and you know yeah. it's a stressful time she didn't really think it all the way through but yeah you would think yeah. she would have thought it's not rego or me right yeah. we'll be right back this episode is sponsored by audible to get a free audiobook or two if you're an amazon prime member go to our exclusive url audibletrial.com slash ghosts you can find the link in our show notes. So, um, outside the tent, people are gathering. The Blood Riders aren't pleased. Um, so, oh yeah. So she she leaves. Danny leaves the tent when the when the ritual begins. Yeah, with the sacrifice of uh, yeah. Drogo's horse. Mary kicks um, her out because there's going yeah. to be dead things dancing and. No living thing is allowed to see this. Right, which is which is the key point here. The no yes. living thing is allowed back in here. So, the things escalate quickly once outside. Jorah ca- arrives in his armor. Danny sent him away to put his armor on because uh, she thought I might need your sword. He comes back and calls her a little fool. He says, "What have you done, you little fool?" And then, pretty much at the same time, all three blood riders show up, and you know they Kotho goes to storm into the tent and stop Miri Mazdor, and Danny shouts to her cast to stop him. And there's a slight there's a very quick but slightly confusing fight between Quaro and Quotho because their names yes. sound so much the same. Mm-hmm. I had to read it through like three times to make sure I, I, I had got the same problem. who was doing <laughs> what. So Quaro is one of Danny's casts. Quotho is the blood rider. Quaro, uh, background on him, when Viserys attacked Danny in the Dothraki Sea, it was Quaro who urged Danny to take his ear to teach him respect. 
and he was also one of the ones at the Western Market. He challenged Ricaro to an eating contest, and he he helped stop the whole uh, wine assassin thing. And it was him that Danny made go stop the raping of Aroa at the Lazarine Village. So he's so pretty she loyal. Could slap her in the face, yeah. <laughs> so later she could slap him, <laughs> slap her in the face. But ultimately, Quotho kills Quaro, and then. Jorah and Quotho tussle. And I was thinking while I was reading that part, I bet Jorah was wishing he hadn't left Longclaw back uh, <laughs> on Bear Island uh, at this moment. But, you know, it's it's a bad workman who blames his tools, you know. Right, yes. <laughs> if, if you're sticking with a pointy end, it won't matter whether it's yeah, Longclaw good, or not. Good advice. So, Ricardo and Jogo kill Hago. Cotholo gets a knife to Danny's throat. Uh, Ago shoots him with an arrow. So yeah, yeah, it was the whole thing was quite a bit confusing here because it's hard to remember who all of them, which side all of them were on, and it was kind of like a a general melee. But yes. um, Danny goes down in the fight, right? She falls over. Kotho pushes her over, right? And uh, but but Jora does kill Kotho in the battle. He gets very badly injured. Uh, he but... does, yeah, M- more badly injured than I remembered. Yeah, he took a sword, an arak to the hip. It it caught yeah. in the bone. Caught That's in how the bone. he had time to yeah. to kill Quotho was because the, oh Quotho's arak got caught in his hip bone. Ugh. Yeah, that. But then that's just like leave a mark. minutes later, he picks up Danny and carries her into the tent with a. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he's a tough guy. I'm telling you, is the arak still sticking out of him? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, Danny's you know kind of watching this all unfold and she sees shadows dancing in the tent and uh, along with Mary Mazdor and uh, two of the things she sees like the shadows on the wall are a giant wolf and a man wreathed in flames and I was trying to think based on the info we have at this point what we might think they are you know, if that if they're anything, I mean, the fact that one's a wolf, you know, obviously makes you think Stark. Yeah. But, uh, you know, maybe it's yeah. uh, maybe it's Stark's because of Liana, because of what her brother did to Liana, you know, or what her father did to Brandon and Ricard. Yeah. I, I I got nothing. I mean, I think obviously there's some, you know. There's some hints at Westerosi things in there, right. but you would imagine that they have nothing to do with Khal Drogo and Miriam Asdor, really. Exactly. So yes, exactly. I think some of it might be in the eye of the beholder. You know, she yeah. sees she sees shapes on the surface of the tent, and you know, yeah. her own mind fills in the blanks. I was thinking maybe some symbolism between uh, the wolf, you know, being. A northern creature, ice, and the man rings in fire. You know, ice and fire. A song of ice yeah. and fire. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. We'll just have to. Maybe we keep an eye out for for things yeah. as we go forward that might have fit yeah. this. And so the chapter ends with Jorah taking Danny. Danny's gone into labor. Jorah's taking her into the tent to see Miriam Asdor because Miriam Asdor has got midwife skills. But Danny weakly is saying, no, no, don't right. take me in there. He's doing it because 
none of the Dothraki uh, midwives, none of the Dothraki midwives will even get near Danny. They say she's cursed. So because of what she's done earlier today, yes, because of all this that's going on, they think she's right. cursed. So he has no choice. The only the only midwife he can think of is Miri Mazdor. So yeah, but she, remember, she specifically told Danny, "Do not come. You have to be." out of here when this starts there's bad things going on so you just got to wonder if there will be ramifications for taking her in there well there's two two humans and a unborn child heading into the tent where no living thing can go right that does not yeah that does not bode well for there being no repercussions Yes. Well, fingers crossed for uh, Miri Mazdur's head sticking out of a hole in the ground. (laughs) (laughs) I told you to stay out of here. (laughs) I needed at least two more hours. (laughs) So background, what you got? Well, background was very challenging this episode. I, I went like word for word through the chapter trying to look through something, look for something. So, the best I that think, I, can... I think you found something good. I think you yeah? you found something very interesting. Thank you. About. Yeah, you know when when we have tricky chapters like this, I try to get as creative as I can to find something interesting. So I thought we'd talk a bit about the Dothraki language. And uh, so, according to George Martin, Tolkien was a philologist and an Oxford don, and could spend decades laboriously inventing Elvish in all its detail. Him, unfortunately is only a hard-working science fiction and fantasy novelist, and he doesn't have his gifts for languages, referring to Tolkien's gifts for languages. That is to say, he has not actually created a Valerian language. The The best he could do was to try and sketch in each of the chief tongues of his imaginary world in broad strokes and give them each their characteristic sound and spelling. So, the Dothraki language used in the TV show was constructed by a man named David Peterson, a member of the Language Creation Society. And the language takes cues from the known Dothraki words used in the books here and expands a whole bunch on it. The show's version of the language is also inspired by some real-life languages such as Russian, Turkish, Estonian, and Swahili. Uh, The Dothraki language was developed under two restrictions. The language needed to match the terms used in the book, and it needed to be easy to pronounce and learn by the actors. So these two rules were an influence on the grammar and phoneology of the Dothraki language developed for the TV show. And as of September 2011, the language comprised of 3,163 words. Not all these words are publicly known, and according to Peterson, Martin has asked him for help in translating some passages for the upcoming Winds of Winter. That's that's really interesting. I, I I have to say, I think in many ways that the effort that they put into the Dothraki language in the TV show was one of its crowning achievements. Because, I mean, it makes... Absolutely, when, yeah. When they speak in Dothraki, it's entirely believable. If they were just babbling and just going blah, 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 blah it would <laughs> not sound half as good. But, yeah. like, the... The speech that uh, that Cal Drogo gave when he promises to give Danny Westeros yeah, is right. just, I mean, it's fantastic. And if it was just made up gibberish, it just would not be as good. It couldn't possibly be as good. So I, I really think they made the right decision and, and good for them. I mean, it's, uh, and, and it's going to make the books better now as well. Right. 
Yeah. I always think of uh, when Dwight was teaching Aaron to speak Dothraki in the office. Uh-huh. And she didn't know that it was a made-up language. She thought she was learning a foreign language. <laughs> Speaking was... of The Office, uh, Molly just told me yesterday she just finished her 20th time through the show. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how accurate that count is, but that's what she told me. <laughs> she says that I promised to buy her some office paraphernalia for her bedroom if she ever reached that point, which seems like not something I would say as I'm constantly telling her she spends too much time on the screen. But she says I said it. Maybe I said it jokingly. I don't recall, but... <laughs> wow, you caused this. Yeah, I know. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, in that time, she could have learned Dothraki. Right, yeah. Uh, she should know better to uh, not take me for my word when I say such outlandish things. The 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 thing I always think of whenever we're talking about the languages is that the scene from uh, Frasier when he's speaking at his son's bar mitzvah and I mean, yeah. he gets his colleague at work. His colleague at work um, uh, speaks Hebrew. Hebrew, I guess? Or Maybe. Yiddish, Yiddish or Hebrew. Yeah. I'm not sure which one. And um, so he wants to give the sort of like the toast and speech after the bar mitzvah in Hebrew, Yiddish, whichever one it is. And But he... In asking the guy to do it, he offends him. <laughs> and so the guy does it, but he does it in Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> Frazier gives the whole speech in Klingon. And one of, one of his son's friends is like, you've got the coolest dad ever! <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. So, um, comparison with the television show, this is all very closely kept uh, and it actually takes up quite a lot of screen time in uh, I think we're in episode 9 of the first season of Game of Thrones um, it uh, basically we see we see Khal Drogo fall off his horse and the sort of contempt that the riders immediately feel for him, daddy tells them we're going to pitch the tents here for the night they say this is not a good place to pitch the tents and yeah. she's like no no it is uh, then the second scene where basically he's now in the tent and he's looking very sick, uh, Jorah comes in. All of this is kept um, very, very closely. But when Miri Mazdor comes in, Quotho threatens her again, as he's wont to do. Uh -huh. yeah. And uh, they take off the um, the poultice. Well, not the poultice, because there was like a bandage under the poultice. And they take that off now and you see it's looking very bad for him. Um and then the next scene is when they actually kill the horse and blood sprays everywhere. So oh, Danny actually fun. gets sprayed with blood. So she goes outside the tent covered in blood, mm. which really adds to the sense that she's been, you know, partaking in witchcraft in there. Right. Yeah, so, that would. That would add to, yeah. like, the whole she's cursed type thing. Yeah, yeah. If you, you know, if you come out and say, just don't go in there. Somebody farted, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> But if you, if you come out there covered in blood and say, don't go in there, it, you're up to something. Yes, right. Uh, and then she does get knocked down and carried in. One minor difference I noticed was in the book, she is telling uh, Jorah not to take her in there and he's not listening oh, or not hearing. In okay. the show, she doesn't say anything. He just carries her in there. 
She's and thinking it, but he, she can't yeah. say she can't do anything but kind of like moan and stuff. Oh, uh, that's right. She doesn't actually say it. That's right. She only thinks it and moans. In the show, yeah. she's completely silent. It's like she's passed out sort of thing. And Jorah is definitely not as badly hurt because he's not even limping when he carries him. <laughs> he, he takes a couple of wounds in the fight with Quofo, but not... Uh, yeah, you'd think he'd be limping a bit if he just had an arak right. in I, his... Uh, I think the arak sticks in his armor in the show. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, that's that's highly preferable. That's what armor's for, isn't it? Yes, that's the idea. <laughs> well, not necessarily to catch the sword, but to make sure it doesn't get through. You know? Right. Pedantry. Pedantry. So, <laughs> did you have anything in this chapter? Oh, I got nothing. I got nothing. I mean... I don't apart, either. Apart from my general sort of like... There's things wrong with the Dothraki tradition, apart from that. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's too nebulous to put in here, really. Right. Yeah, I felt like we last couple Dothraki chapters, we've been poking holes at some of the yeah. traditions and customs. But So in this one, the only pedantry I have is an audiobook pedantry. And Roy Detrice, I mean, he's he's amazing. I, I love listening to him, but uh, his the the voice he uses for Kotho is so different from all of the other Dothraki. Oh. It he sounds like a Bond villain to me. <laughs> then he's like, uh, he's like, you don't tell me what to do, Khaleesi. It's it's very, <laughs> 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 it's very, it's very like uh, almost like sophisticated uh, evil genius English accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. I studied at Oxford before I joined the... <laughs> right. <laughs> the Every time it takes me out of the, you know, like you're, you, you're you engrossed in the story and then Quotho starts talking and I'm like, what is this voice he's doing? Where did he come up with uh, this? I've never listened to the audiobooks, but but it's got to be an enormous challenge to oh try my gosh. and do it. Um, it's a, he does an amazing job. He must have yeah. just run out of voices yeah. to do and was like, I got no choice. We got to go with Bond villain here. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's it he's got like two buckets one is accent and the other one is like character and he's got like uh, dothraki bond villain i can do that Ah, that'll work (laughs) but he won't have to do it anymore i guess because uh kotho's gone yes (laughs) as kotho comes back as a white later on right yeah so that ties in nicely with what you're going to talk about in news and notes yeah so news and notes um i tweeted this out it was a really it was a really interesting article about a study that was done on what makes A Song of Ice and Fire and of Game of Thrones so engaging and uh, you know causes people to obsess so much ab- about it, which I can't who, really relate who, to. Who would do such a thing? <laughs> and so uh, basically what, what the article gets at is that it has to do with the amount of characters there's more than 2,000 named characters and more than 41,000 interactions between them. But each character only has about 150 or so other characters that it, that, that particular character interacts with. And I guess that, according to the study, is very similar to how our lives are. So 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 help me because I I looked at this and I I was a little bit I think we were both a little bit confused by the study but yes. so so is the average number of interactions of a character in Game of Thrones 150 or is that the main characters have about 150 different characters I I think it's with? the main characters main because characters. Okay. if you look at that it it has the little social uh, network yes. thing yeah, yeah, and yeah. um you know I think the bigger the dot 
the more important the character. The character, right. And uh, yeah, so that's how I'm interpreting yeah. it. Yeah, and that makes sense because obviously a minor character couldn't possibly have 150 interactions. They wouldn't be a minor character. It's, it's the major characters have this. Oh, here's what it says. Even the most predominant characters, those who tell the story, average out to have only 150 other yeah. characters to keep track of. That is the same number that the average human brain has evolved to deal with. Interesting. Interesting. So, I wonder why that is. So, 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 so basically, I as a person, if I if I were to list the people I interact with in my life, I would get to about one hundred and fifty before I start to put names in that I just don't care about. Yeah, that's a lot to me. It feels like <laughs> <laughs> after I get past about thirty, I'll be like, oh, no. <laughs> you're much more selective. <laughs> but I guess, I guess, I guess maybe. I mean, this is. This is not like who you care about. This is this is uh, whose interactions with you are important to you in some way. So I mean, yeah, some of those would be work, some would be family, some would be people Neighbors, you just deal friends. with, like yeah. insurance agent or something like right. that. You know, yeah. So maybe, yeah, exactly. I, what I got from it is what what we as readers and t- and show watchers what we relate to so well is that the deep rich social aspect of it that there's a lot of characters but not too many characters that yeah. completely get overwhelmed yeah it's just it's, it's in line with our expectations of what are, the, the the people seem real because they have the right number of social interactions yes exactly that's how i interpreted it anyway fascinating yeah so uh another uh, song of ice and fire news it's also the 20th anniversary of a storm of swords which is book number three. Three. Okay. Yeah. So uh, maybe we'll get <laughs> Winds of Winter as a uh, yes. anniversary gift. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not to belabor the point, but there's only been two books since then. <laughs> right. In 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, no pressure. I, if I remember, I read the article oh, a while. It was like earlier this week that uh, they're putting out a 20th anniversary special edition so if that's something you're interested in uh should be uh something you could get for a holiday giving or something yeah and finally you see that ring the bell in the notes yes there? i have no idea what this means i know you don't but you'll be match. excited you're excited to hear it our uh our mutual good friend uh that we've mentioned on the show before tony he uh-huh. just uh rang the bell uh, a couple days ago for uh, finishing his chemotherapy treatments. Oh, great. So. Great. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, well, that's 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 really good to hear. And uh, we wish you all the best, Tony. Yes, absolutely. It was great news. All right. So let's conclude. Uh, so the big question, just as it was last Danny chapter, is did M- M- Miri Mazdua plan all this? Was she actually poisoning him or was she trying to heal him? I'm coming down on the side of, no, she's trying to help. Yeah, you know, if she's not, if she did this intentionally, it's a pretty risky move on her part. Unless she really, I mean, Danny keeps patting herself on the back that she saved her. Maybe she doesn't feel like she's been saved at all and is like, I don't right. care what happens to me. I'm taking this whole calisar right. down with me. Yeah. Which which was a significant danger when you use someone who you've just enslaved as your healer. There's a significant danger that right. they've lost all care, you know. Why wouldn't they kill you? Yes, that is exactly the concern. <laughs> yeah, maybe she made the poultice intentionally burn to the point where 
even Cal Drogo wouldn't leave it on. You know, I don't know. But uh, and, uh, we're very unclear now on what's going to happen to Danny if Drogo dies. The rules say she'll be taken, she'll be escorted to Vyastathrak, but it seems that the situation is a lot cloudier. Particularly, I think if her blood riders see her as complicit in, if the blood riders see her as complicit in the in the death of Cal Drogo. Yeah, but of course the blood riders are all dead. So, so. <laughs> yes. is there anyone left that's obligated to take her to the Dosh Kaleen, or is she now yeah. off the hook for that? You know, maybe yeah. if Drogo were to die, whoever takes over as the leader of the Kalasar would handle that duty. You know, well, not personally, but be responsible for handling her getting to the Dosh Kaleen. Yeah, but even well, if he so lives, I was I was going to you were saying even if he lives, I was going to say. Certainly, the Kalasar is going to be in considerable turmoil if Drogo dies here. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, but even if he lives, does he carry enough clout any longer to keep his Kalasar intact? Just from the phys- just from the standpoint of, there's probably going to be some sort of recovery period. But also, which you you could understand. I mean, yeah, even if he was badly wounded in battle and it took him a month to recover, you wouldn't think they would you know, have a coup and take that's over leadership. My that's my point. Yeah. I <laughs> but mean, I'm wondering, I mean, sure, maybe, maybe that's the thing. You see that their, their rules are so strict that basically anyone who wants to just break into that tent and kill him and claim, like I defeated him in battle. He was yeah. lying there unconscious, but I defeated him. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, but also the fact that it, it certainly appears to a lot of the Kalasar that it, if he is healed, he's healed through blood magic, and maybe right. that lessens, right. you know, maybe, yeah. maybe they would no longer have respect for him. Exactly. If way. you're superstitious or anything like that, he might now not be... Yeah, that that's probably the bigger issue. I'm sure if you fall off your horse while you're sick, and then you recover and get back on your horse, and you're still Cal Drogo, you'll still have my respect, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> But if you're if you're some kind of reincarnated ghost of Caldrogo, I might look elsewhere for leadership. Exactly. But then we get to um, Miri Mazdor saying, "Stay out of the tent," and Danny and Jora just went in. So, yeah, you know what? What are we gonna? What's gonna happen with that? Yeah, who's at risk? Right, There's three of them, two and a half of them have gone in there. Right, all of them, none of them. Yeah. Is uh, Miri Mazdor just secretly digging a, a tunnel to get out? <laughs> we, I, I like this. I don't, I don't think this was in our notes to begin with. No, nope, it's become not the theme all. of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it have made more sense to just like cut like the, the tent the back in the back of the tent yeah. and run out that way? <laughs> Actually, in, in, this, in the scene where they bring the horse into the tent in the TV show, um, you see the tent being ripped open. And you, you're led to believe, oh, they're they're cutting a big opening to bring the horse in, and then the horse comes through the front door, and I was, <laughs> like, and then I was like, what was that about there? Because it never, it's never explained. You just see like a knife go through the tent, and then the horse comes through the front door. That guy like, got a little over, a little over excited. He thought the horse fits fine through the front door. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking it's a, it's an edit, editing issue in the show. It's a pedantry for the show. I think they changed their minds. They were like. All right, we're going to need a bigger opening for the horse, and let's show them doing this. And then, wait a minute, the horse fits just fine. <laughs> Horses aren't twelve feet tall. It turns out, and they can duck their heads. <laughs> All right, I guess uh, that's it, huh? Anything else? 
No, that's good. All right. Well, as always, you can reach us at ghost.heronhall at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Ghost Hall. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to leave us a review if you can. That would help us a lot. Just uh, give us five stars if you can and uh, leave us a positive review. We'd be very grateful. That we would. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.